passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, we advertise it as an update, so should we get to the update? The good news is, I'm in remission, y'all. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, welcome to Rewind Raw. I'm John Pollock alongside Waiting. Wait, how are you? Doing well. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, another Monday night. Lots and lots to discuss. I don't know how much time we're going to need to get through all of this, but I, I feel like we've been uh, we've been quiet for for too long. I feel like so much has happened since you and I last did a show, which was Thursday, and I feel we had too big of a gap. I feel so much happened in those three days since. Let's start putting an extra show in there. We might. We might have to. Uh, I think we could have, uh, certainly at minimum one in, in between that. I mean, it just, uh, the world has changed since Thursday Mm -hmm. before I forget, I do want to give a life update, uh, regarding actually directly involving you, my life. Well, it, our lives together, you and I, you often will sometimes, uh, subtly mention, like if I don't get back to a text message, you send me right away. And for what months now, what do you mean? Uh, sometimes you, you've, uh, maybe I'm making this up in my head, but it, it makes more sense after this. But for months, I have unknowingly had your text messages uh, hidden. There's been this, I had somehow swiped and on the iPhone for your text messages, if you swipe, you can hide the alert when someone texts you. And I'd always, I can see your message, but my phone v- wouldn't vibrate. And I did not realize that there was this moon next to your name. And that meant that I had somehow turned the alerts off. So when you would text me, I'd have no knowledge that it was uh, coming. Oh. And thus, I may not see a text from you for like an hour or so. And now that has been corrected way. So I don't know why I'm telling everybody this, but I thought you would want to know this update. Jeez, I didn't know that was a thing, too. Uh, yeah, I I'm didn't not... either. 
I didn't know right what now. this moon meant that was next to your name. You were the only person that had this moon next to it. And I finally figured it out today because you texted me and nothing happened. It was just like the text appeared. I was like, why didn't I get a notification for this? And yeah. I fixed it. Well, thank you. Because, yeah, I, I guess I had a spell there where I was like, man, John's really taking his time with this text. What's the See? issue here? I'm should, I should be very important. I should be really at the top of his list in terms of responses. But uh, glad that's fixed. Uh, but if you did have to take an extra hour or two to respond, I don't care. Well, I, I will let you know, Way, that of the people on my favorites, I have four people and you are one of them. Damn. Well, what nice. an honor. Thank you. Yeah, you're on my top four. All right. That's it. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll chat with you later this week. Nothing else happened in wrestling this week. <laughs> yes, I figured out my iPhone. All right. Um, we have lots and lots of news to discuss. Uh, we're going to go get into Raw very early on in the show. But first, uh, some housekeeping news. Uh, we, we've got something to give away. So, Way, do you have the post-wrestling Tumblr out? Yes, it's this here. Is, this is our weekly giveaway contest for all of the members of the post-wrestling cafe. You sign up, you are permanently entered into this draw to win a fantastic post-wrestling prize each and every Monday on Rewind a Raw. So this is where we are going to select that winner. That's right. Yeah, we're giving out a one item a week from the post-wrestling store, which is uh, our merchandise store, store.postwrestling.com. So, we sell hats, we sell shirts, all types of stuff. And uh, one lucky patron we want to reward this single week. So, John, without further ado, say, all right. say the magic word. Come up with the magic word and then say it. Herbal tea. It's like two words. But I know. Congratulations to Kenny Joseph. Kenny Joseph from Boston, Massachusetts. You win an item of your choice from the Post Wrestling Store. Send me a message on Patreon or, or Twitter and uh, I will hook you up. Kenny Joseph, what's up? Congratulations to Kenny Joseph. Also, Way and I are doing a live show Sunday, April the 7th at the Broadway Comedy Club in New York City. It's happening at noon, and we have previously announced that we're doing a Q&A at noon, and then immediately afterwards at 1.30, we were going to do a one-hour meet-and-greet for anyone that wants to stick around, get a photo taken, just hang out with us, uh, ask us who is going to be in the opener of the kickoff at WrestleMania. And for those of you that need to immediately get to MetLife Stadium, because we have heard from some people about they want to participate in the meet-and-greet, but feel three hours... It could be it could be difficult in traffic. So we have come up with a bit of a solution way. Yeah, um, we are going to put an extra meet and greet an hour before our live show. So at 11 a.m., one hour before we do our live podcast, we will be open, opening the doors at the Broadway Comedy Club, which is uh, 318 West 53rd Street. Uh, to all of you who want to, you know, meet us, take pictures, whatever you guys want to do. We want to make sure that we have enough time to talk to everybody. We don't really want to be rushed afterwards. So if you want to come early, meet us, do, you know, tell us, uh, 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 give John a big, huge hug because he loves that shit. Um, we'll do that for a whole hour before doing the show. And then for those of you who can't make it earlier, we will still be there for an hour afterwards. So we'll make sure everybody uh, gets their time. Yes, so that should eliminate any issues. I feel, regardless if you come to the meet and greet uh, after the show, I think you have plenty of time, because uh, we too have to get to MetLife Stadium. Uh, but 
anyway, this this covers you. If you, if you want to get going as soon as the Q&A is over, uh, that gives you the option as well for the meet and greet to do prior. So we'll be there at 11 a.m. Tickets are available postwrestling.com forward slash live. And you can get them for $25 if you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And who isn't? You can get the tickets for $20 each. Amazing. What a bargain. Great. Wonderful. Awesome. Yeah, hope to see you guys all there. All right. Uh, shows coming up this week. Of course, Tuesday night, Rewind to SmackDown. We'll be chatting about uh, a contract signing. We'll be talking about Johnny Gargano versus Cesaro. We'll be talking about uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev teaming up. And then we have the double shot for all the members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. This weekend, I saw Fighting with My Family. So I'm going to be reviewing the new film that was... Uh, number four at the box office this past week, and we got a Rotten Tomatoes score on Raw. Yeah, 91%. That's really good, um, I, especially for a WWE movie. So I think I might actually go tomorrow afternoon and catch, a, catch an afternoon screening myself. Oh, I, I hope I didn't put pressure on you to go, go watch this, but that'd be great if you get to see it. Yeah. I nearly missed this movie. I will share my story on Tuesday night. I'm looking here at what the Lego movie got, just to compare. Dude, Lego only has 86%. So, man, oh, that's rough. wrestling killed your precious Lego movie. Fuck, have you dude. seen the Lego movie? The second one? Yeah, I have. Of course I have. I saw it open oh, the weekend. Oh, maybe you can share some thoughts on that on Tuesday as well. Oh, it's okay. People heard me talk enough about Lego this week on Up Next. I listened to every word. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I was looking down. I was like, wow, this is this is lengthy. I wonder what uh, Brayden's got in store for you when you're on Up Next this week. I'm sure he's taking his notes. Talk. He's going to talk a whole lot to you about Aqua, I'm sure. Especially this upcoming uh, Wrestle Kingdom level show that they're doing in Toronto this year. They are doing a 90s nostalgia concert coming up in June. And I was I was sent more messages about this. Um, then probably anything this year so far. Who is on this bill? Because if you thought last year was amazing, last year was what? Aqua, was Prozac, Wigfield. That was H- how could they possibly top that? I'll tell you. They're bringing back Prozac. They're bringing back Aqua. They've thrown in uh, Right Said Fred. Yes. And S Club. S Club Party, which... <laughs> S Club 7 has whittled down to S Club 3 over the years. So <laughs> I don't know what to expect from them. I'm going for Aqua and Prozac. Oh, dude, S Club. I would go for S Club, even if it's just the three of them. Yeah, this this is like a WrestleMania level event. This is a seven-hour like, window. Shit. It's seven hours, and it's hosted by Rick the Temp and, no. Tony, Mon- Mo- and Tony Monaco. <laughs> oh, my God. I cannot Dude, wait for this. Clearly, they saw the great success of last year's show. And 100%. They, they went double or nothing for this time. Man. Yeah, like, I assume it's at a bigger... It's at this big park. So I'm imagining it holds more than um, uh, the venue at... Where was it? Echo Beach? I can't yeah. remember where I went for this. Yeah. So I'm imagining it because it was full. Like, they, they sold this thing out right away when they came here in September and yeah, yeah this is going to be in June. Amazing. Yes. I'm very Definitely happy. Going. Very happy for you. You can go. You can join me. I think I'm busy. Going with all my friends again. They were all, they were all down to do it. No, it looks like a great time actually. Well, I will be on up next with Braden on Thursday and I will be on the cafe hangout with way Thursday. And with all this news, 
Who knows how much more is going to come out over the next few days. So I'm sure always a busy cafe hangout Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can tune in live and call in live if you are a double double ice cap or espresso member. And then the free version goes out on Friday, which also is the day that we drop the newest rewind away. And this is uh, kind of a unique one way. We are going to split this up. I am going to be watching Nitro from July 13th of 1998. And you're going to watch Raw from the same night. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to this one. This was a choice uh, from one of our executive uh, producers. His name is Daniel, and he has chosen both of these shows from this particular night as part of the Monday Night Wars. And I'm kind of looking forward to it because I think you and I often we wonder how would we possibly do our jobs had we had this podcast in the midst of the late 90s Monday Night Wars when Raw was going up against Nitro two hours on one end, three hours on another end. How would we have possibly done our jobs? I think we would have done it like this. We would have split the tasks up. You do one show, I do another, and then maybe in the end we kind of compare our notes and see which one did better. Didn't we watch both Raw and Impact during the three months that they were going head-to-head? Yeah, we did. I don't know if we did a show for that one, though, did we? Like, we were doing it on Tuesdays. I don't think we were doing it on Monday night, so I want to say we both watched it. I can't even remember. That is so long ago. A while ago, yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's coming up uh, Friday. New Rewind Away, again, for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And then Saturday, a lot of shows this week. Uh, WH Park is going to be joining me for uh, Post Pioresu. And then and we're going to be reviewing the Giant Baba show amongst the many topics that we'll be tackling on Saturday's show. And then late Saturday, UFC 235, which is uh, an incredible card uh, on pay-per-view. Headlined by John Jones and Anthony Smith, as well as Tyron Woodley, Kamaru Usman, the debut of Ben Askren taking on Robbie Lawler. The opening fight on pay-per-view, Cody Garbrandt and Pedro Munoz. This is a very deep card on Saturday. Uh, Probably the card I am uh, most looking forward to so far this year from the UFC. So very strong card from them. Uh, We'll have a review of that late Saturday night up at postwrestling.com. You can sign up for the cafe, postwrestlingcafe.com, starting at $6 per month. Did we nail everything? I think so, yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's get into Raw. We're going to uh, get to the, uh, the. we'll probably tackle a lot of the news throughout this Raw review, and whatever's left, we will uh, go through after the Raw review, because I'm sure many people want to hear the review of this show, quite the newsworthy edition of Raw from Atlanta, Georgia, at the State Farm Arena, uh, built around Ric Flair's birthday party and the return of Roman Reigns, and that is one of the many news items uh, that broke over the last couple of days. Way I believe it was Friday they made the announcement. Roman Reigns to appear on Raw Monday night with an update on his health situation. Of course, last October, he came out on Raw, relinquished the title, announcing that he is battling leukemia. And how did you feel about the way in which they um, went about promoting this decision to tune in on Monday for this update? I didn't really like it. I... I mean, I think, you know, knowing that he was about to appear on Good Morning America and knowing, I guess, the fashion that they kind of promoted it, we're all expecting good news. But I just kind of feel like it's a little bit uh, shitty to, like, make people even anticipate, you know, knowing that. Uh, Not no, for sure. Yeah, like, we're we're also incredibly concerned about this man's health and to try to, you know, dangle it for even if, if it did turn out to be an incredibly wonderful reaction when the show actually, when he actually made the announcement on live TV, I, I, I didn't really enjoy the way they were able to, they were trying to use it. Uh, it made it seem like it was a ratings grab. And I don't think it's a subject matter that you should really use for that. I think 
you know, even something as simple as Roman Reigns has great news to deliver on Monday, I think would at least relieve a lot of people and would feel a little less kind of, you know, opportunistic. Yeah, I I think that um, had they just come out on Thursday or Friday with a quick video from Roman Reigns who said, I'm back and I'm going to tell the world on Monday. Like, you clearly give out the news and Monday you get to see him. There's no one that is not tuning in for that. Mm-hmm. There's no one that is more enticed because it's a mystery. And the precedent is Daniel Bryan. That was the biggest news in the world to wrestling fans. And they gave it away during the day. And it was a huge, widely viewed episode of SmackDown that night. Because everyone everyone knew what the announcement was. He's been cleared. The WWE put it out there. But they wanted to hear from this guy. And I think it would have been... Just just as many people would be tuning in uh, to hear from Roman Reigns because you know what the story is, but now you want to hear from this guy and what else is he going to say and to hear from him and just tune in for a really feel good moment that uh, that this was. So yeah. I, I I don't feel it would have at all um, affected those tuning in um, had they just come out and said it last week. I agree. So. The show starts off with a very somber video package uh, going back to October and Roman's initial announcement. And then he comes out and it is a very big reaction. Uh, He's got a new shirt. We fight, we overcome, we believe. And I am sure that uh, proceeds of this are, I'm sure going to be going to uh, certain outlets, but I did see one person note that just like after this segment aired, this email hits them uh, promoting this shirt on WWE shop. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guess, you know, it's, it's little things. Um, he comes out. No, no. I mean, they did not state in the email. Like I, I looked on the, on the shop and I didn't really notice that uh, anything about proceeds going anywhere, but yeah. What? Okay. You know, I'm just saying like the timing of it all is, you know, Listen, I just wrote one person who got this email. That was their reaction that it was like, you know, it just this is a very real moment. Can we just uh, let this sink in for a second before your inbox is hit with something to to buy? Mm. Uh, he comes out and again, a great reaction. Uh, we see David Arquette in the front row. The Rock's mother, Atta, is in the front row as well. Roman's mother is there. His wife is there. Crowd is chanting, welcome back. And Reigns is thanking them. They're chanting, uh, they're chanting for him. And Roman announces that this is our yard. He talks about his belief in God. He was scared last fall to share this secret. And he talks about all the messages of support he received. And he is just overwhelmed with all the gratitude from people and thanking them. He is going to use this platform to raise awareness and support those in need just like he was. And announces that his cancer is in remission. They give him a standing ovation. And they chant for one more match. They're chanting WrestleMania. And he says, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. This is baby steps. And this was a lengthy segment. And it seemed that Roman was just going out there. And they were just, hey, just say what you would like to. And you have all the time you need. That's what this felt like. And as he was uh, leaving, going up the ramp, Seth Rollins came out, gave him a big hug to end the segment. Very emotional segment here with with Roman Reigns. And the guy seemed 
you know, genuinely touched by all the people and they gave him, um, you know, just a tr- tremendous uh, fanfare here for his return. Completely. Yeah. You know, much like the last time we saw Roman, I almost kind of hesitate to like call this a TV segment because it, 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 it did not feel like it was produced. Like it felt like just a man going out there to update his audience who's all very concerned about the status of his life. And um, the moment he announced it, again, you know, I, I, I wasn't maybe much of a fan of the way kind of they, they made people wait for it. But uh, you can't deny the incredible reaction that this uh, audience gave for the moment that he did announce that he was in remission. This place erupts. And the, these people cheered like, you know, their hometown team had just won the Super Bowl. Like, you know, their their favorite team had just won the World Series. Like, they're, like the biggest sporting reaction... Um, that reactions that you've seen from a live audience, this audience gave it to the announcement that this guy had beaten cancer. And I think it it was so incredibly touching, I'm sure for everybody, because everybody knows somebody who has gone through what Roman is going through. Not everybody makes it a great deal. It's, it, you know, it, and so this victory, it, it feels like it transcends wrestling and to have it take place in front of a wrestling crowd. Again, you can argue whether or not this was, you know, the right thing to do to make people wait for it. But as far as if you're after capturing an incredible moment on a wrestling program, this was definitely that, you know? So it, great announcement, um, great piece of television, if we have to look at that look at it that way. And I think putting Seth Rollins out there uh, in complete contrast to how he looked last time in near tears was a very nice touch too. And, and also worth noting that uh, Dean Ambrose was not a part of this. No, and I don't know how you could have used no. him... They're clearly, the this. they're clearly telling a bigger story with, yes. with Dean's redemption. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't think they're going to completely ignore the angle either, but one that, you know, you, you, you can't classify it in any way as being, uh, like, tasteless, absolutely, but also completely a failure as well. So now it's digging yourself out of that hole and trying to, you're right, tell the, the redemption of Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. So the segment ends. Uh, I thought this was just a wonderful speech from Roman Reigns. And um, yeah, yeah. And I, I know how yeah. Vince thinks, you know, he's after like those great like moments of television. And he, you know, clearly like he was thinking about this moment, the build up to it and how great this audience reacted. And they did react great. Uh, it's I guess it's just one of those things, you know, do you save it for these great moments or are some things just kind of not so, you know, so sacred that you just don't even like just I like you said, I don't think it would have made a lick of difference had he had they just you know said Roman's got great news coming out. Tune in Monday. Yeah, like this audience, the way they reacted, there was no one in this arena that was expecting this guy to come out and deliver some awful news. Like they may not have been a hundred percent sure, but they all reacted like this is. They were so elated to see this man come back and. They all believed that he was about to give them good news. So anyway, I thought I thought Roman was just um, God. He just came across as just such a just such a, a tremendous person here that this audience loved and just felt real. He just felt like a real human, which is something that I mean, they they have not been able to have that kind of connection with Roman and this was a Roman that just got to come out and he just got to speak and and the people felt that and granted this is an extreme situation and emotion that this audience is going through 
but he just he truly felt like a loved individual here for 15 20 minutes yeah i mean whether you kind of you know want to or not like you're forced to not even look at this and or think about this as really a wrestling storyline whereas i think for so much of his career he struggled with making wrestling storylines feel real this of course is not a wrestling storyline so i think i mean everybody obviously was captivated onto every single word so they come back and alistair black and ricochet get their entrances the tag champions do not the revival is already in the ring and they jump black and ricochet and then they clear the ring. Ricochet hits a suicide dive, and there's a dive by Black to set up the commercial break. We come back. Scott Dawson catches Alistair Black with this quick DDT, uh, a clear tribute to the outgoing Arn Anderson, who was let go last week, uh, that we'll discuss later. Ricochet then delivered a moonsault to Walder on the floor. Dawson goes for a roll-up on Black, who pops up Black Mass and pins Dawson two minutes, five seconds, as they go over the tag team champions. It was a really fast-paced TV match. I I actually really enjoyed it. No, sh- uh, it was kind of brief. No pauses or, as, at, at all. Very spectacular moves. I would say kind of much more like your you know indie PWG style. Um, I think the type of match that these guys should have been having last week instead of, instead of you know your typical like Chinlock like Elias types of matches. So I feel like they might have kind of done this perhaps in reaction to. To, to what they saw last week and making sure that this audience were was going to give these guys, uh, Alistair Black and Ricochet, a tremendous reaction. And I thought they'd achieved that. Um, but the Revival losing again, what do you what do you take away from that? Because, I mean, it seemed like they might have been, you know, setting up DIY for something. But now are they, are they going to set up Black and Ricochet for something as well? Or is none of it going to amount to anything? I mean, the loss to Ciampa and Gargano was mentioned in the match, it's not like they completely ignored it, but yeah, certainly after this, the focus was Black and Ricochet. Yeah, obviously the um, the Dusty Classic is happening, so we know um, you know some of these guys are going to be involved. But is that the reason why these guys are getting wins over your WWE Tag Team Champions? What other reason do you have for for making the revival lose? Unless you're going to follow up with these matches. Uh, well, certainly, I, I think Black and Ricochet certainly coming out of this, um, they felt like they are being focused on at least uh, this week. And well, we'll, we'll know tomorrow what uh, what is up with uh, Ciampa and Gargano uh, based on how they're utilized on Tuesday night. Hmm. Charlie then interviewed Baron Corbin about telling the fans to move on when Roman got sick and didn't want him to come back. And he denies saying this. He says, whatever I said, it was out of context. And I was under stress as the acting general manager. And even Roman doesn't know what I was going through and hopes their paths don't cross. As Charlie asked him, if you felt what you were dealing with was worse than Roman's cancer. So this was our back down to earth moment. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put a match in before we try to get heat on a heel for uh, the guy coming back from his cancer. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Got to get those heels over, way. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they had this red carpet set up for the guests of uh, Ric Flair, all four of them. Uh, and our first mm-hmm. one was uh, Shawn Michaels, who was hanging out with Johnny Gargano. In baseball cap this yeah. week. He, well, it was it was one of his close friends and mentors' birthday. Way this is this means <laughs> this is baseball cap territory. Uh, there was a promo for Total Bellas. Uh, this Sunday's episode will be built around the Evolution pay-per-view and Nikki headlining it against Ronda Rousey. 
And then we got the first of many pre-tape messages for Ric Flair. The first one from Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Wishing Ric Flair a happy birthday. I mean, I think something should be said about like how popular Ric Flair seems to be in modern times within the hip-hop community. Um, he's huge. He's like an icon in rap. Enormous. Yeah. So, and that did you watch the clips of his birthday party on Friday? I saw some of the clips, yeah. Yeah, what a party that looked like. Everyone was I know. There. Everybody was there. I mean, Evander Holyfield, Charles Barkley, uh, Chris Jericho, amongst, you know, other WWE alumni, of course. Yeah, tons of guys were there. AJ, Booker T, Shane McMahon was there, Triple H. I mean, just, just tons of people. It seemed like uh, quite the party. Elias is in the ring, and he's interrupted by Lacey Evans. She walks down the ramp and then to the back and leaves. And then Dean Ambrose comes out, and he says he's feeling good tonight. There's a festive mood and challenges Drew McIntyre to a rematch in a no-disqualifications match tonight. And then Elias starts playing the guitar and says he was just about to sing a song about how much he loves Atlanta, which he notes is capable of hosting the Super Bowl, just not winning it. Ambrose requests a bunch of songs, including Thunderstruck. Would have turned to heel again. Yes, Dirty Deeds. Oh, you're not a fan of Thunderstruck? Mm. Uh... (laughs) They're not playing at that that Aqua show? Uh, They will not be doing a cover of Thunderstruck, I doubt. Um, Too dark of a song for them. Uh, He ducks a guitar shot, and he hits Elias with Dirty Deeds. Mm -hmm. I mean, this felt like a a kind of a Dean Ambrose babyface segment of old. Um, He's out there, like, making fun of the the goofy heel, and then DDTs him. So, um, Lacey Knock it on the microphone and talk about... uh, the karma that Roman was uh, faced with? No, his, none. For all his dirty deeds? No, none of that. None of that. Um, being he's mad. dropped the dra- jacket. He's dropped the wallet chain. He's he's a changed man now. Oh, on the path he's, a, he's a chained man. <laughs> Thank you. Lacey Evans made an appearance, and that just kind of reminded me, though, uh, of note, perhaps with the main event tapings, EC3 lost to Apollo Crews. So, I mean, take that for what you will. I think I think I, that's um, that says that speaks volumes of uh, where EC3 is in in record time. Yeah. The riot squad then comes out as Dean's leaving, and there were there were a number of these uh, instances where one segment would just bleed into the next, and it just seemed to be a much faster paced Raw where mm-hmm. it just they did not want you going to break unless you knew what was coming up next. And it was just constant um, with all of this. Like one thing ended and boom, we're introducing what is next. They would, they tried this in the past and and they seem to have brought it back last week. And I guess this week they decided to continue with it. Maybe they thought it worked because last week's rating was a lot better. Ricky Steamboat is on the red carpet and was another one of the guests. And that takes us to our tag match. It's the riot squad of Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan versus Ronda Rousey and Natalia. Starts off with Natalia lifting Liv on the floor and Ronda leaped off the steps with a forearm strike. And then Logan takes down Natalia with a drop kick on the floor. They have the heat on Natalia after the break. Logan cuts off the ring. She howls in the air, which uh, was sting on this show. I guess the agents should have communicated there. Only one person gets to howl. Uh, she applied an inverted cloverleaf to Natalia, who broke free, got the hot tag to Rousey. Rousey is hitting up Logan and Riot with body shots in the corner, throws lower. Logan knocks Morgan off the apron, step up knee, and then Riot makes the save 
There's a Piper's pit onto Logan, and then Becky Lynch appears from the crowd. She has her crutch and starts attacking Natalia for the disqualification. And Rousey and security are on the floor, and there's a big pull apart between Rousey and Becky, and Rousey starts throwing security all over the place, and the police take Becky away, and she is under arrest. Mm-hmm. I thought the pull apart turned out really well. And I actually thought the match before that was pretty good too. Maybe perhaps it, it's the difference of having a really hot crowd that's actually invested in, in what they're seeing this week. But uh, the match itself, I thought was a pretty hot, fast paced match. Did you? I didn't. Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. Did you see the video that they put out with Pat McAfee just burying the crowd from last week? I did. I watched it. I hated the video. Oh, oh man. I just it, thought, it, you know, yes, it was a dead crowd. I would never, I would never put out like my own material, like just going after like paying customers. It was that, but just the way he would just uh, talk. Oh, about he, the he, WWE, was he, yeah. WWE he was very obnoxious. Yeah. WWE obnoxious, but I just, I really felt like, like that to me is a level of, of arrogance that like, could, could you just imagine like anyone that spends money on a ticket? I'm sorry, but it doesn't mean you come and you're always going to have the hottest crowd. Yeah. It was a dead crowd. Um, Chalk it up and you move on to the next show. But to me, if if I had spent $80 on a ticket to, to Raw and I see that video, I'm never spending money on a product like that ever again. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. But this video was just him talking about how, like, as a member of the WWE Universe for over 30 years, I like... That type of talk? It's like a cult. It was like a cult leader calling uh, everybody like, this sounded nuts. Like, yeah. we are one with the WWE universe. Like, we are this uh, we are this superhuman force that comes together on Monday nights, and you did not live up to the pledge. The pledge. It was creepy, dude. Like, <laughs> it felt, like this at- is a cult. If you were a non-fan watching this video, so weird, dude. Very weird, yeah. But we're, we might see more of it. So if you come to our live show Sunday, April the 7th, uh, we encourage you to <laughs> applaud and laugh. But if you don't, I'm still going to thank every single one of you for coming and spending two hours with us. Anyway, Way, Way might put out a video. So uh, Becky is taken away and Rousey is helping Natalia up the ramp and then she returns to the ring and she demands that Vince get out here. And then she clarified Vince McMahon, get out here, as everyone was wondering. Oh, God, Pritchard first and now Russo. Stephanie comes out instead and demands that Becky, uh, Rousey demands that Becky be reinstated for WrestleMania. Stephanie says Becky has been arrested and Rhonda tells her, well, drop the charges. Stephanie says that Becky is a loose cannon. She's unprofessional. And while you are on the road to WrestleMania, she is on the road to jail. (laughs) Rhonda says, This is what is best for business. It's what I want. It's what the people want. This is what the ginger douche in cuffs wants. The ginger douche. Some lines. um, I thought she was doing pretty well throughout this whole thing. But yeah, maybe maybe lines like that kind of take you back a little bit. She asks uh, for Stephanie to make this a triple threat and asks Stephanie... Think about what this triple threat at WrestleMania would mean to your daughters. <laughs> I think Stephanie would be like, 
it means the exact same thing as a main event with two of you. I don't know why that's going to pull on my heartstrings. And says, no. Rousey again demands that Becky be reinstated. Stephanie says, I'm your boss. You both have bad attitudes. No one is bigger than the WWE. And Rousey says, I have bled enough for the rest of my life. I am not your worker. And you can take this belt. It's just a gaudy accessory if I'm defending it against the chosen. And she she, she also said it doesn't fit my style anyway. Yeah, she actually knocked the look of this title belt. So She needs a hemp belt, clearly. I, I hope everyone gets on Ronda just like they got on me after my Daniel Bryan critique of that belt. Uh, she lays down the belt, and she did call it a belt as well, and says that Vince has to make the right decision. And she basically is saying, fuck you. I've made my money. I don't need this job. And I want to face Becky or else this title means jack shit later. I thought, what what a, this was so what I feel top talent needs to feel like and not talent that is all standing on the ramp chanting as Kurt Angle comes out acting like fans that we would see later. These were like, this was Rhonda feeling like she is, you you are lucky that you have me here, not vice versa. And I I think that this should always be something you strive for with your, your stars. I liked Ronda in, in this segment a lot. I, I thought, you know, certainly there were some stumbles at the end, but I felt like she hit, you know, pretty much 90% of those notes perfectly, delivered them with passion, um, the way that I think you would expect somebody her as a champion would speak. Um, she had a lot to do out there, and I thought for the most part she delivered all those lines with passion and with skill. Set, Steph, I thought, was excellent. I thought she played her role perfectly here. I mean, think about what they've accomplished here, okay? Like... Three, four weeks out, the worst thing in the world for this entire audience was the the prospect that their main event of Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey was somehow going to be infiltrated by Charlotte. This week, this audience is chanting triple threat. They've, yes. manip- they've manipulated this, this audience to, to, to see this triple threat now as the best case scenario because they presented Ronda versus Charlotte as the worst case scenario. So um, the moment they announced that Becky is back in this match, this audience will explode and somehow we're all going to want to see this triple threat. So man, Vince really is a master salesman. Um, So kudos to them for, for, for doing that job. Um, But I thought all this was great. You know, this whole episode up until this point had like a holy shit, you know, what's going on type of feel where one segment bled right into the other, all with good cliffhangers. Um, so it felt like there was a lot of kind of significant events going on. Yeah, I, I like this segment a lot. And yeah, and and no Charlotte on this show. I know that she was, um, she had been advertised for the, the house show uh, on, on Monday night for SmackDown, but um, you really didn't even need her um, on this show, and I guess you figured that between the flair thing and all the stuff going on with Rhonda and Becky, she would have been here somewhere. Well, I think given like the you know where they went with the the Ric Flair uh, celebration, um, Charlotte coming in as probably like she would come in and she would get booed as it wouldn't probably, have worked. Like, the, she would have been the most hated heel in the whole building, and this audience would have just chanted Becky. So I think taking her, not having her be a part of it, and maybe even taking Becky out this early on, announcing that she's been arrested and out of the building. Perhaps it in some way had to do with the Ric Flair segment they're about to shoot. Then we got my favorite tape message of the night. 
This is Stone Cold Steve Austin making a special appearance on Monday Night Raw via my iPhone. <laughs> this guy was so excited to be uh, recording this. Did, did he did he record himself the right way? Because I wasn't paying such close attention. But what do you mean? Because this definitely looked like uh, oh, like, like a mirror. Like Neville image. was giving him tips. Um, on how what do you mean? Not shooting uh, landscape. Oh, well, I mean, sides cut, but that might might have been for effect anyway. They all do this. Yeah. Calls Rick the greatest champion in the history of the business. And I can't even remember the last time we've seen Steve Austin in any form on on Raw. Outside of like some, you know, old clip airing. It's been a while, hasn't it? Maybe like the the anniversary, the uh, the anniversary show last year, maybe. Had to be have been it right, or maybe one it of the. It feels like it's been a while, and that was that was a year ago. So maybe, unless I'm just totally blanking on some yeah. involvement he's had. Stephanie and Hunter were backstage with the Raw Women's Title, and later on they would give no comment as the announcers were trying to get an update on the situation. Jinder Mahal's back with the Sings and asked what Ric Flair has ever done. <laughs> He says he was he was not invited to Ric Flair's birthday party. And I was kind of confused. I thought this Raw was his birthday party. And I'm watching this man on the show. But I guess he was not included in the final segment. And I did not have a microscope. But was he out there on the ramp at the end? I didn't notice. Okay. Well, someone I wasn't sure out. if any of the heels were. But I, I wasn't paying really such close attention. You're right. I, it may have just been the baby faces out there because heels don't celebrate birthdays. They uh, they privately text message. He says he has challenged anyone that has been invited to Ric Flair's birthday to face him because this party is over. And the challenge was answered by Sting. No, it was Kurt Angle. <laughs> it was Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> Ricky Steamboat would have been great. Steamboat uh, versus Mahal, sign me up. I'll watch that. They literally are not letting Sting or Steamboat have a match, so that was not happening. Uh, but Kurt Angle came out, and uh, Mahal had his right shoulder taped up and did the, what I can only, I always think of you now when I see this this super long chin lock half Nelson deal. Well, what a wonderful representation of me, John. God. Yeah, you are the what I associate now with this hold, and how is how is Way reacting to this? Because this was the longest thing in this world, and this match was only three minutes. No, for real. Like, I mean, I thought, like I said, this whole show was was happening at at a tremendous pace with a lot of eventful moments uh, all throughout this. You know, at, at least up until the first hour, and then this huge roadblock. Like, you know, you're driving on the highway, and there's just like clear, clear, clear roads ahead, and then you see like a traffic jam. That's what these chin locks felt like. Um, I, again, like I know this is like their style. They need to slow down the audience so that they can get back up for the finish. But God, like somebody tweeted, Adam Pierce tweeted like a gif of like Nick Bockwinkle and Kurt Hennig working a chin lock sequence that was masterful and it was entertaining. But this was not it, you know. And I'm not obviously I'm I'm not I don't mean to compare Jinder Mahal to Nick Bockwinkle, but man. Um, I, some, a part of me feels like if you're not good at it, you shouldn't really do it on live TV. So, uh, Chinder had his hold <laughs> on forever. <laughs> Angle got out, bunch of Germans, 
knocked the Sings off the apron. Coloss was blocked. Dropped toe hold, ankle lock. He won this match. I thought this thing went like 18 minutes. It went three. Uh, and Kurt won. I, cu- I couldn't believe there was a three-minute match that dragged. But this, this one amazingly did. Uh, so Kurt won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kurt Angle actually won a match on Raw. Um, cool. What what is you know is this leading to anything? Do you think Kurt has a has a further place in on on any pay per view coming up? I'll tell you where Kurt has fallen. During this chin lock, I had lots of time to think, and I thought it was fifty fifty that Kurt was going to win this match. I was like, they might just be telling the the falling, uh, the the precipitous fall of Kurt Angle, and he's going to lose to Jinder Mahal. Well, that's what they've done. Yeah, thus far. But, you know, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have shocked me if Jinder had won this match. I had no, like Angle is there is no care with Kurt Angle. Well, I had no, last, year, last year he was getting ready to team with Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. This year, um, I don't know. There's well, even if they have a big plan for him at WrestleMania, there doesn't feel a lot of momentum. There's no big mo behind Kurt Angle. I'm going to say uh, Andre Battle Royal for Kurt. Well, we will see. They aren't teasing much. Like there isn't um, the tease um, of much for him, other than here's the guy that is kind of the legend that is trying to have one last bit of glory before going out. Well, I mean, like I guess maybe I'm trying to think of the reason why he was even on this show in a match with Jinder Mahal, and you know he does have a great deal of star power that that people would recognize amongst other people in the roster. So. Um, but that said, why not use him? Why not use him in a, in a marquee? Like, look at look at what the the great job they did with with uh, uh, Takeshi Izuka for his retirement match. I didn't think I would give a shit about this this guy with the Iron Claw retiring, and they made me so invested in in this match. Um, I I hope whenever Kurt you know has his retirement, I hope there's uh, a storyline at least as good as that for him. Did you stick around for all of the post match and mm-hmm. the new the 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 guy who has taken over the the Izuka gauntlet Taichi? I think he will he will do the do the fingers proud. I can't wait for the visual of him holding that microphone stand with the iron fingers on. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be ridiculous. Nikki Bella won the women's image award for This is a serious category. Best actress in a reality series. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's it's the <laughs> truth, I guess. Like, isn't that uh, isn't that kind of um, breaking kayfabe or some uh, something in the reality world? Best actress in a reality series. Watch, man. I couldn't, I couldn't believe this category. We will have an Oscar. We will have an Emmy, I guess, category for that someday. Yeah. Best actor in a documentary. Yeah. Alexa Bliss came out for the moment of bliss, and her guest was Finn Balor. First off, Bliss says bye to Ronda. She would never have disrespected the title like she did and offers the McMahons to headline WrestleMania if they need her in a pinch. Balor comes out and Renee notes that the internet is going wild right now. Is there a big um, fan fiction uh, backing of Alexa Bliss and Finn Balor out there? I'm sure there is. There's probably fan fiction. There probably was after this segment. Sure, there's fan fiction for everything. Every pairing. Bliss says that the one issue with Balor becoming Intercontinental Champion is that the title covers his abs up. And she goes to say that if you show me your abs, I'll show you my... And Leo Rush comes out and interrupts Alexa before 
she could reveal what she was going to show Balor. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could only imagine what she was about to show. Driver's license? That's... Is that a good trade? She might have some goofy photo. Yeah. Rush calls this show a sham, and Balor does not deserve to be the champion. Lashley does. And Balor is amused by this little guy, thinking he can challenge him and prove that he's better than Lashley. So what happened here, this was a very confusing, and it didn't make any sense till after the match, but mm-hmm. Rush was supposed to come out and be able to manipulate Balor into defending the title against Lashley in a rematch, but in the process, Balor used his Jedi mind tricks to play to Rush's uh ambitions of becoming champion himself and put him on the spot offering him a title match and rush took the bait and accepted the challenge and thus lashley would not get his title match as planned if you drew a diagram for it i'm sure it would all make crystal clear sense um i thought the segment was terrible from alexa bliss continuing to be portrayed as you know this kind of like uh like sex, uh, you know, a uh, person who manip- manipulates people to, I think her goading Leo rush into doing something for not being man enough. I felt like all of this was written by people who were just very much out of touch with society. So Leo says, fine, I'll just go get ready in the back. And then Alexa says, no, your match is now. So she also has matchmaking ability. She just cleared the next segment. Yeah, where the fuck did that come from? This was supposed to be an interview segment. And this impromptu match was, uh, we were, this segment was just opened up by Alexa Bliss. And the match was happening now. She was at one time the women's division GM, right? On Raw, or she had some type of those powers. But I mean, that was long gone after the McMahons came back. And that was for the women's division anyway. Maybe she was supposed to do a 15-minute sit-down with Finn Balor, and she was cutting the interview short and had 12 minutes remaining for the match. These Moment of Bliss segments continue to to be batting, like, zero. They've all been bad. There's not been one good one, and yet they still continue to do them every single week. Oh, man. If I had told you before the first one aired that they're going to have Alexa Bliss do an interview segment, I, I think I'd be more high on it. That Yeah, that makes sense. They'll probably turn out well. Yeah. I've been very disappointed with these just because I, on paper, these sounded, they, they, they sound fine. But in execution, it's been the opposite. I, but on paper, I'm sure they, they look pretty bad too, actually. The script. Yeah. The, the, this to me is a perfect example of a segment that these two should be playing off of each other and... It just seems like she is very constrained to what the segment calls for. And they just, they feel very unnatural. Yeah. Like fake know. conversations with fake people. Uh, Maria Menuno sent in a message for Flair. Titus O'Neil was hanging out with Sting on the red carpet. And then we finally come back and Balor and Leo Rush have just been hanging out the ring this whole time. And the match begins for the Intercontinental title. Rush got to showcase a lot in this match. He hit an acai moonsault, followed by a pair of suicide dives. 
but then went for a frog splash, and Balor got his knees up, and he starts favoring his left knee, which Rush focuses on. And Rush gets knocked down. Balor goes to the top, but he's knocked off balance. Rush hits a top rope Hurricane Rana, stacks Balor for a two count, and then he's kicking out the knee of Balor, who then blocks a stunner off the bottom rope from Rush, hits the 1916, the reverse Bloody Sunday, and then he hops to the top, selling the knee, and lands the coup de grace and wins the match seven minutes, 35 seconds. This was, I thought, another really good TV match. It was a great showcase for what Leo Rush can do in a cruiserweight-style match. And I don't know what it was. Like, between this and, like, the first match on this show, it almost felt like, you know, it, there was some type of mandate for, for uh, fi- you know, showcasing great wrestling on their shows and letting his ra- roster actually go out there and wrestle to their full potential. Um, you know, it was certainly odd the way they set it up. I mean, this whole Leo Rush heel manager who wrestles like a babyface thing has always been weird but it was i thought it kind of especially weird here where you had finn balor being portrayed as the cocky heel who doesn't take rush seriously because he's a smaller man and then you have rush the small underdog trying his hardest to prove him wrong in the body of the match rush was certainly wrestling this like like a babyface it didn't make any sense until (laughs) i think we what we saw in the next segment involving leo rush Yes, uh, I agree with that assessment. It just, to me, it was like the roles were reversed here. And then afterwards, well, first of all, we had the worst segment of the night, in my opinion. Tucker is backstage and walks into the Ascension. Connor calls him fresh meat. And Otis, who is not there, he calls Otis his pet pig and that he's outside dumpster diving for cheeseburgers. Tucker warns them. Otis has a very big temper, and they continue making fat jokes about Otis. And Tucker explains, Otis may not be as educated as you two, but he's very sensitive. And Otis shows up, and Tucker recaps all of this dialogue that was just told to us. And Otis is reacting. And then he knocks both men down with a shoulder block. This was some of the lamest material I've seen in a long time. And this was the test of how much garbage, literally and figuratively, can Otis sift through in one segment and still be an entertaining individual with his facial reactions. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, I just thought this was awful. I thought this was pretty bad, too. I mean, this felt like it just came out of some some type of, like, anti-bullying skit put on by, like, the student oh. body in a high school assembly. Dude, if this if this came back uh, for, for dialogue in a porn film, I would be like, you know what? We, we can find better than this. This was really bad acting. It was really bad. Um, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to portray um, Otis as sort of like this, you know, like a dog, basically. Who, like, you know, Tucker is his handler. And Otis, like, Tucker will say, like, he whispered to Otis. What do you say? Like, doze him or something? And and then Otis attacks. So It's like the new Jesse and Festus. Pretty much. Yep. Lashley is upset with Leo Rush backstage and explains that he was supposed to get him a title shot, not get one for yourself, and then you lose and asks if he can trust Leo. Leo says he can, and then Lashley walks out for his match with Braun Strowman. So that was the plan. So 
Mm. Uh, whatever is going on with these two. I think they're baby-facing Leo Rush by having right. Lashley bully and yell at him, uh, despite L- Rush clearly trying his hardest out there. Uh, like, you know, Rush kind of gave, like, a real puppy dog face. There, There's a lot of uh, dog stuff on this show, I guess. But, you know, Rush was, like, looking sad as Lashley was yelling at him, and I think we're supposed to feel sorry for him. So maybe they're going ahead with this with this breakup again. Yeah, we'll we'll try it again. The the second time it'll it'll catch. Bobby Lashley versus Braun Strowman. What did you think when you saw this graphic promoting this match? Way was this your your dream match tonight? <laughs> I mean, it feels like it's a match I've seen like plenty of times. I don't know if I have. Uh, have I? Have I seen this? It's the feeling I had when I saw this <laughs> again. Yeah. At least, like, you know, if this was kind of, like, the only match I felt this way on this show, then then it's it's okay. Like, there are typical weeks on Raw where I feel like I'm going to see this. I'm going to see Baron, Cor- Baron Corbin versus Elias. I'm going to see Elias versus Baron Corbin again. And then I'm going to see uh, maybe Dolph Ziggler in there with Drew McIntyre. So, this wasn't that bad. This was quick. Lashley goes after Braun as he enters the ring. The bell just doesn't ring, even though they proceed to start having a match. Braun fights back with a splash. Lashley bumped too early when Braun went to chop him down and then hit shoulder tackles to Lashley and Rush on the floor. And Braun yelled that he's coming for all three of them, uh, which would include Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin from the attack at Elimination Chamber, which they do not replay that angle at all. Yeah. And that was a that was, you know, not the biggest stunt in the world, but, you know, fairly impressive looking. You're off these steps, putting a guy through two tables, and I, I like if you missed it, you'd have no idea why this guy's so upset. Well, okay, remember, you know, they did the shield powerbomb to Braun Strowman, and I thought the idea at that time was that Braun was somehow going to be involved in some type of shield reunion uh, to take on these three. Do you think that perhaps they're dropping that uh, for whatever reason? You know? I think that I think they have the option that they can go with four on four, or if they feel that they just want to do a true shield reunion, they can do the three on three without Braun. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it feels like. It seems like Elias is there if they want him, but doesn't seem like he's completely attached to this. Same as Braun, and they may feel like it's an awkward fit if you're doing the shield reunion. Braun is an odd fit, yeah, to make it four on four, and it doesn't need to be four on four. So, um. I, I would say it's it's open-ended right now of which direction they go, and we'll get into all of that. Charles was this, was with Seth Rollins and tells her that he's been thinking of Brock Lesnar every day. It's the biggest match of his life, and he promises that he is leaving as champion. But tonight, that's secondary because his brother is back, and now it's time to go burn it down. Now, if this were real... What was he referring to? Did he know what was going to happen at the end of this match that would necessitate his involvement? I thought he meant he was going to burn down this ice-cold beverage with his brother Roman. Oh, he's going to burn it down. Like heartburn it down? Oh, okay. You know, you ever drink like a beverage so fast, especially a cold one? Maybe he means freeze it down. Because you, you could get brain freeze. I wish you were there as the logic <laughs> guy to just tie everything together if there's any open-ended questions. Yeah, I didn't think this this foreshadowed anything like like he knew the attack was coming. 
Uh, unless maybe you. If, this was like their way uh, of saying, though, don't tune out because Seth is going to get involved. Yeah. Even though it would make no sense that he would be able to forecast what was going to happen. Maybe he just had. Maybe he knows Dean's been getting his ass kicked every week on TV. So it's a formality that Dean Ambrose will get beaten down in this match. So odds are he'll need me. Could be that. So he has no faith in his friend, which was kind of the whole impetus behind Dean turning on them was they had no faith in this guy who was always losing for the team. Maybe it all makes sense. Limo yeah. pulls up. Ric Flair arrives with Wendy. And if you paid your money to go to the State Farm Arena on Monday night, this was your one moment of seeing Ric Flair uh, standing. Do we know that they didn't do anything after? I got a message from one person who was furious about this and stating that he took his wife and two two kids and father-in-law to see Ric Flair and nothing. Rest of the show was good to the last 15 minutes. Everyone booed once the lights cut out and realized Flair was not coming out. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. That's... Yeah. I feel really bad for the live crowd. Like, I understand you want to get your angles over, but, man, you built this whole show around Ric Flair and no live appearance, that's weak. Mm-hmm. Like, that's weak. Anyway, still to come. Uh, oh, man, we we had um, another video for Black History Month on uh, the different performers reflecting on Dar- Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Kofi Kingston was in tears they visited uh, the, about it. They visited the site of his assassination. Yeah, man. Know? This it was, was a very powerful video. Yeah. Like, it, it, I thought this video, again, was like, these have all been excellent. I almost wish this was extended, especially now given Kofi Kingston's position, because I think, you know, like, you really identify with, with what he was going through at this moment. So, um, these, these were all great. Dean Ambrose, Drew McIntyre, no disqualification match. Uh, they went over nine minutes here. Ambrose, Ambrose removed... One of the two belts he was wearing, and this threw me off for three minutes as I tried to imagine how you can wear two belts. <laughs> and it feels like it must be so uncomfortable, but also just why? Um, why? Well, one, I, I, one part use. of it was like, have, have you ever like left your house and you forgot to put your belt on? It, can, yeah. it, it will really annoy me um, if I've ever done that. Are your pants so, that so loose fitting that you, you have to have a belt? No, not I, I used to wear more like looser jeans. So if I left, I, I'd know if I wasn't wearing a belt, I would need oh. one. So I can imagine like if I am going to do a wrestling match tonight where I need to take the belt off, I don't want to be uncomfortable. So I'm going to wear a double belt. <laughs> but man, what a this just it was just bizarre to me. I've never in my life seen somebody wear two belts at the same time. Never, never. Um, But I guess if you're going to do it, um. A no DQ match would be a the place to. This has to be a record uh, of the last 20 years for the amount of times belt was set on WWE programming. Yeah. Wow. Between Ronda and Dean, or the announcers here. Went through the commercial. Dean fights off the turnbuckle. His back is just a mess from the, the whipping that he has taken from Drew McIntyre. Takes the Glasgow kiss, and then they go to the floor. And Dean uses a drop toe hold, sending Drew into the steps that he's holding, rams Drew's face into the steps, and then Elias runs down, attacking Dean from behind with a guitar, sends Dean into the ring, and Drew hits the Claymore kick, pinning Dean at 9 minutes and 17 seconds. 
decent brawl that they had. It was all I, right. I would say it was pretty brutal, man. They went all out with those yep. belt shots. Uh, so I think in that sense, it was entertaining. But, you know, I don't know what it is, but there's something about maybe the Dean Ambrose character at this point that's still kind of pretty far beyond repair. It's it's a little bit difficult to care about this particular match. Um, but again, it's it was this was more notable for the post-match angle. Yes. Baron and Lashley come out. So it's four on one. Lashley spears Dean Ambrose and then Seth Rollins music hits. He comes out with a chair followed by Roman Reigns. And I, th- I thought this was a surprise because I think most assumed that Roman's got to be on Good Morning America Tuesday morning and figured, well, he's in the opening segment. They're getting him out of there. Uh, but no, he stuck around. This was like well into the third hour. He comes out with Seth and they run down. Um, Seth was just doing the chair shots while Roman uh, delivered Superman punches to everybody and then a spear and then the and then Rollins did hit a stomp to Elias and Reigns calls for the spear at the end hits it onto Drew and Rollins and Reigns leave on their own they walk up to the top of the ramp and then they look back at Dean in the ring as they all share a look and that's how we ended it so mm-hmm. I don't know what what Reigns is going to announce on Good Morning America um it seems like an odd place to announce like his first match back, but maybe they will, and they're going to announce uh, whatever this match is, or they haven't decided it yet. But I could see it being three-on-three three or four-on-four. Four. I guess they've kind of given themselves that wiggle room whatever way they want to go. If he was going to announce what the actual match was, you know, and if it is, in, in fact, some type of S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion, I think they would have done the reunion tonight. But the fact that they didn't, maybe... If he is going to announce a comeback of any sort, he would probably just say that I, I'll, I'll be appearing. That's that's yeah. my guess. Because um, the Good Morning America ad that, that was circulating today that they ran is that Roman Reigns is going to make an announcement you won't want to miss. Now, that was sent out during the day. So that could be like the announcement he made on Raw. He's just coming on to Good Morning America to reiterate what he said on Monday. Um, the Dusty Classic, everybody. It's coming back. <laughs> the Dusty Classic is coming back. Yeah, that's the um, big announcement. So, yeah, and... Like, it seems like this will be at Fastlane, wouldn't you think? I guess so, yeah. I mean, either that, I think he could make the announcement for WrestleMania, actually. You know, that would probably be bigger impact for something, a platform like Good Morning America. Um, but but for a Shield reunion, like, I, like Seth is, like, I don't think you're changing Seth's match at WrestleMania for a reunion. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. Yeah, you're right yeah. about that. But um, I, I, I thought they delayed that reunion pop uh, pretty well. You know, they made everybody kind of want it. Um, and I think the moment that they fist each other, it'll be very satisfying. Here's the one issue. I just wish, and granted, like you can't, like they just get the update on Roman. So it's like time is not on your side. But man, to like next week's the last Raw before Fastlane. Right. Well, maybe you do just, the reunion at Fast. Oh, I guess you can't. Like if you want to do a pay-per-view thing. Hmm. I wonder. Maybe they're going to try to awaken Dean Ambrose. And he's not going to join them. And the shield will go in minus one man. And then Dean can join them at the pay-per-view. Exactly. Like last year. Is that how they did it last year? I don't know. I forget. No. The Kurt Angle thing? Oh, right. Yes. So anyway, that was the that was the angle with, with Roman. It was yeah. really nice. And I think, you know, yeah. uh, to me it was a surprise that he, he was cleared to do physicality. You know? So... I, he, he did way more than Seth did. Seth just yeah. did the chair shots and the stomp. Yeah. So, so uh, and, and I, I don't, I don't have an update on on Seth. Like I'm, 
like he did he did little in this so i like he wasn't cleared last week uh didn't work house shows this weekend so uh, I mean, they were hopeful he was going to be cleared last week and wasn't. So he, he's got to be close, if not already ready to come back. And doing this angle would suggest that, but hmm. uh, we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. Hmm. They plugged Fighting With My Family, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, fourth at the box office over the weekend. So Tuesday night, double shot. We will share our thoughts on the movie. Bailey and Nia Jax. So this is happening at around... 10.30 Eastern, this match starts. Oh, yeah. And, you know, not knowing what the show is going to end like, I'm just, I thought this match was put in such a terrible spot because it's in the third hour. They're going nine minutes. And I'm just looking at the clock. And I'm like, I would have been happy if the last 30 minutes was dedicated to this whole flair deal. Like, whatever you're doing at the end, you can have a great segment with all these legends and let them talk and... Instead, you're just watching each minute tick by and like the audience wanted to get to it. You know that there's no overrun anymore. So the last thing you want is just this abbreviated segment at the end. So I thought this match suffered for that. Um, it was the death spot for sure. Totally. But, but do you think they could have carried that whole thing, though, for 30 minutes without Flair actually appearing? Well, again, I'm looking at this before I know what, what the end right. is. But, um, you know, I... I I still feel, even the way it was done, I wanted to hear from Steamboat. I wanted to hear Sting talk. Right. Um, and I don't think that would have hurt it at all. In fact, it would have made it even more impactful. Like, all these guys giving these heartwarming speeches about their friendship and decades of knowing this guy. Um, I still wanted to hear from all these guys. And, you know, they're being flown here in the case of Steamboat and Sting and Michaels. Like, it's like they were just brought out to essentially stand there for five minutes. Anyway, uh, they did confirm Bailey and Sasha Banks against Nia Jax and Tamina for Fastlane, which we had uh, reported last week. Um, and then there was a hip toss by Bailey. Nia takes her, drives her to the floor. They go through a commercial. Jax then misses a seated splash, and Bailey misses with a knee drop. They're running through all these these spots. Bailey's put into the tree of woe, and then Nia goes after Sasha on the floor, allowing Bailey to recover, knocking her down, and hits the top rope elbow and pins her in nine minutes. I thought this match was good too. You know, it was a good David Goliath type of match with, I think, you know, two of your best in the division for those roles. Bailey, she's great at being an underdog and she was great here as usual. Uh, but certainly th being this late into the show and maybe going as long as they did probably hurt. And uh, I wouldn't say they really carried, captured the audience's attention the whole way through. Yeah, I just thought they were in the death spot on the mm -hmm. show. And you're just looking at how... Um, how much time it's eating into the main segment. So like they come back and it's like 12 minutes until the top of the hour as Hunter and Stephanie start the segment. So, you know, it's not going to be a lengthy one. Uh, the whole ring is decorated. There's a cake in there. Um, Hunter and Stephanie are out. They welcome the guests. Uh, first Hunter welcomes back. Roman recaps, Rhonda laying down the title and all of what happened tonight pales in comparison to Ric Flair's birthday, who he calls the greatest sports entertainer of all time. They brought out Michael Steamboat. Uh, Steamboat was uh, chopping all the dudes at the top. Yeah. And then Kurt, Kurt comes out. And again, this was just watching this. It's like all these guys are on the ramp and they're like putting their hands up, chanting, you suck at Kurt Angle. And it just was like, here, here are the real legends and here are the fans that are on the stage 
And I just felt like there was Seth Rollins is standing right at the front here. And this is listen, it's a it's a nice segment you're doing for for Ric Flair and stuff, but it's just like it's it's the the, the certain level. I don't know. My guy that's headlining WrestleMania just being there clapping along with everybody. Like they didn't have Roman out for this. It was Seth that well, was Well, I mean Roman I think like just came back perhaps and maybe they they wanted to kind of hold off the, you know, his appearances but i mean i i didn't have a bit as big of an issue with it you know sometimes you might see like lebron james going crazy if like michael jordan shows up in the crowd it's like to me seth rollins being there and doing that type of stuff was just kind of him um like showing that he's one of us you know he grew up with these guys just like everybody else did and you also have bailey and sasha whose like characters are essentially that they are super fans who are now in the positions of you know their idols it's it's just they don't put their top stars in those like you wouldn't see a Roman in this spot you wouldn't see a Ronda Rousey in this spot Seth was there though well that's what I'm saying I don't think Seth is is someone I would I would I would put in the the spot mm. anyway okay. so Kurt's out and then the final one out is Sting who looks very good for his he age he does actually yeah. He came out, looked like he just wanted to chat with Bobby Roode. Didn't even seem like he wanted to uh, go to the ring. He was just happy to see a fellow TNA champion. There were a lot of TNA champions here. Yeah. So they're all out, and then they played a video feature for Rick. They revealed a custom championship they had made for Flair, and then they go to play his music, but Rick's not coming out. So the music stops, and we cut to the back, Batista has taken over the production and there he is. He's dragging a cameraman and he goes into Flair's locker room, closes the door and then it opens and he drags Rick out. This man who was on death's door a year ago and he's being dragged out of this room and he lays him down on the floor and he looks into the camera and he asks Hunter, do I have your attention now? And Hunter runs to the back and Drax has taken off. Hunter's yelling for a doctor, and Flair is just totally out on the floor, convulsing, and that's how they go off the air. Really strong angle here, and Batista coming back in the heel role with Hunter as the babyface. Mm-hmm. First of all, maybe an argument for Seth Rollins not being there is the fact that none of these fucking assholes on the ramp chased after this guy Batista. Like they just all stood there, like they oh, what all do we stood do? There. You're right. Hunter, Hunter, was... Hunter was the only guy that was going to yeah. stand up to the sky to what Batista. The hell? I thought that made everybody look stupid. Um, but really, my only quibble is Seth Rollins being part of this because it's well, like Braun, you automatically Braun was, Braun are associating him. I know Braun was there too. I actually didn't care about Braun being there, but it's like these roles are for like you're associated with like the Kurt Hawkins level of guys. I don't mean to isolate Kurt Hawkins, but that's, that's what these guys are. Like they're pretty much, they are extras in an, in a scene and Seth Rollins should not be an extra. He should not be just a guy that's standing there. I think they just put all the baby faces there, but I, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Whatever. Um, uh, to the angle though. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I found it kind of interesting how we started the show off wondering if this guy was uh doing okay um and healthy and then we close the show wondering if this guy's if, healthy 
yeah, for lack of a better word. Uh, it was interesting. Maybe, mm, I think beyond like, you know, um, like, uh, uh, not delivering on, on the 70th anniversary thing. I, I found it a little, a little bit strange in that sense. Like, you know, like here's, here's the image of like a 70 year old man who last year actually did kind of go through this, you know, uh, near death experience, uh, and, and kind of, you know, teasing us with the idea that he, he might like have suffered a serious injury anyway. Like I was shocked that they went so far as to have Batista drag him. Yeah. Yeah. No, obviously, you know, he, like I thought they wouldn't even touch him. Yeah. No, but we all know what's up. We're all wrestling fans. Like this is, this is an angle, I guess, you know, so much of, of our discussion is whether or not this is in good taste. Is this in good taste? You know, given how we started off the show um, and, and now how, how we're ending the show, it's debatable. I think everybody's levels will be will be everybody's sensitivity might be different as the match itself. Um, having Batista come in as the heel to Hunter's uh, being a babyface, I think, is is an interesting choice. I think part of the reason why Hunter's been so kind of, you know, tweener-ish over the past several weeks is to lead up to this uh, and they're. It's it's been a challenge, you know. It wasn't that long ago when Hunter was, you know, playing authority figure, uh, straight up and um, not not really gaining too much too much favors from the crowd. Being associated with Stephanie doesn't really help, you know. The two of them just like not that long ago they were attacking or getting physically involved with uh, Becky Lynch. On this episode, Stephanie McMahon was yelling at Ronda Rousey, playing the heel role. So having Triple H being positioned as the babyface to Batista, who I feel is much better babyface coming out of, you know, his his uh, roles in, in Hollywood and Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers. Um, that, to me, seems a lot more natural. Perhaps, though, it's what the performers want to play these roles. Yeah. F- first of all, like, I-, I understand, like, the sentiment with, like, Ric Flair. Like, here- here's this guy that was literally, you know, nearly died last year. I I came out of this like it just felt like a wrestling angle to me. I I didn't really have much issue with it. I thought, yeah. you know, it was it was effective. I thought it was an effective angle to build up this match. I think Batista's a great heel, but you're right. It's I I wonder when this was signed off on and if that coincided with with Vince McMahon being brought in as the one that's essentially the major um barrier for Becky Lynch and presenting this more as uh, Ronda fighting Stephanie and Vince and kind of getting Hunter away from that because you're right he can't do the dual role here being the baby face standing up for Ric Flair and then preventing Becky Lynch from headlining WrestleMania so I, I think that that angle has to be handed off to Vince and Stephanie to carry through WrestleMania and not have Hunter involved because it's just too much blurring at that point uh, and mm-hmm. two opposite roles completely I will say I am very much looking forward to seeing Batista play heel because I thought he was tremendously entertaining um, towards the end of his first run. Maybe not so much the second run. But um, I I think, you know, I could see this. I could see him requesting playing a heel because maybe he just enjoys that role a lot more. Um, I'm interested to see what stories they'll tell, you know, to follow this up so that the audience will side with Hunter. I mean, obviously, they started off with a bang here um, with, with the attack of Ric Flair. But... Uh, I, I like the match itself. It certainly is a WrestleMania caliber match with with a big name celebrity. 
Yeah, I mean, it's um very different dynamic than the first WrestleMania match they had, but that program in 2005, that was one of their... That was one of the best promoted main events in a long time for WrestleMania. Like, they did such a great job building up Batista for that match with Triple H. And, you know, it, it wasn't the greatest match in the world. And they had they had some better ones after it. I, I'm not expecting this to be um, a classic match. But I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the buildup. And Batista, I think, will be great as as the heel. I think that he was tremendous in it, the way he left. Um, yeah, I, I thought the angle certainly worked. At the end. It did work, yes. And yeah, as we said from the the live report we got was that the lights came on and there was no Ric Flair uh, coming out, which, you know, I can see a certain mentality that they want to get this angle over. But yeah, I, I could I would be upset, too, if I was like this was promoted for weeks based around Ric Flair's birthday party at this event and to not even get a live appearance from him. I could see a lot of disappointment from people that came specifically for it in like, that's where he lives in Atlanta. I suppose at the same time, I mean, I do understand, like, listen, like the idea here was we're going to create this angle to, to kick off Batista versus triple H. And it required Ric Flair being attacked before he could walk out. Now you're kind of stuck. You know, how do you go ahead with this angle on TV while still not delivering, you know, because we, we all know, like if he showed up at the end here, people would film it on their phones and they would have to acknowledge it somehow, maybe, you know, if like this this actual kind of celebration occurred after the fact. Or at least that's the way they think. I personally don't think it matters one bit. You can ignore one and, and like, you know, say one's one's in storyline, the other's not. And I think people are smart enough to just respect that. But this is I think this is just kind of what what they think, you know. Uh, shall we go to the the feedback first or do you want to go to some news first? Um Let's um what well, do you want to where do you want to go? Let's go to news. Okay. Um uh worth noting, uh Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful reported that uh Dwayne Johnson was at the building on Monday night, uh, but obviously not appearing on camera. And um yeah, so he, he was there on Monday night. For what reason do you think? Uh it sounded like he was doing uh interviews and stuff in promotion of uh Fighting with my family, something uh, to do there. And he was he was already in town for, uh, I think he's shooting something there in Atlanta. So it just worked out that he was there. He was not like flying there specifically for Raw or anything like that. So just interesting. worked out and he was there and his mother was there in the crowd as well. So Is it interesting that that, that he wasn't one of the people that, that came out? I think Rock is very smart about his appearances and mm-hmm. would have just not been a big deal for and you want you want to save your appearances for maximum impact he should have been on on the ramp we all know that he could have been in the back chanting you suck and no one would have seen him (laughs) could have used him there uh okay let's let's go back uh there's a few things to chat about i want to start off with bruce pritchard because this is uh you know i've gotten a lot of feedback on this uh, story since it uh came out over the weekend uh bruce pritchard back in the wwe and he was there on monday night and he's coming in in a, in a very big role uh, with creative and seems like he's going to have a direct line to Vince McMahon. And yeah, it's it's quite the announcement that Bruce Pritchard is, is back in the fold. This is his third go around with the company dating back to 1987. So a long, long history with Vince McMahon is obviously someone that Vince McMahon has a lot of trust in and is bringing in not just for a spot, but one of the most influential spots in the company. Like if you have Vince McMahon's ear, 
that is one of the most um, powerful spots in the industry that he's coming back to. It's it's quite remarkable. It, it was surprising to me. I think simply given you know the success of his podcast with Conrad Thompson, um, they he, they're they're touring. Um, you know they're on the WWE Network. Uh, you know by all accounts, it seems like you know they were very. Uh, uh, he was doing very well even with his ventures outside of the WWE. Um, so I I think the future of the podcast is still seems like it's it's to be determined, but. It's hard he, for me. He is doing think. all his live shows. Um, right. Conrad did confirm that to us, that nothing has been canceled. Uh, and they have a lot of live shows coming up. Like, there's some in the U.S., but they have three dates coming up in Australia. So, you know, it, it seemed like that was, you know, he, he made these commitments. So he's got to at least see these live shows through. But, like, there are enormous demands in the role that he is in. And to go to Australia... Um, for three shows like that is, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's just obviously he's he's going to fulfill these shows. He's got two shows, WrestleMania weekend. He's doing a Saturday show with Conrad, and then he's supposed to be doing a show with Jim Ross Monday night after Raw, the night after WrestleMania. And I was told nothing has changed with that show either. So, yeah, it's and he is doing Starcast. Yes, yes. Um, you know, certainly like his association with Conrad, I, I find somewhat fascinating as well with, with Conrad being associated with Starcast. So mm, maybe there, there are some ways you could look into it or maybe not. Maybe this is just, you know, Bruce kind of wanting to jump back into the fold with the WWE and maybe he misses it. And maybe, maybe Vince wants that familiarity in somebody like him helping him out, uh, with the production of the show. Um, it's, I, I, I mean, without kind of knowing exactly what he'll be involved with production wise on a on, on on a on an episode of raw for instance it's kind of hard to say you know whether or not this will be good we don't know maybe he'll be a different person this time around or maybe maybe he'll have a different style maybe his tastes have changed maybe they're not maybe they're exactly the same in which case though i still find it somewhat interesting to see like what he would be able to do with the current generation of talent and and how much he's he's up to speed on with with yeah. newer talent and here's someone coming in that has you know, a uh, historical knowledge base, but how much is he up on the current crop and, and what's happening now in, in wrestling? And certainly um, there's going to be skepticism that comes with that as well. If you're a performer and and thinking like how how much influence is this guy going to have? Do you do you feel like this is, uh, you know, any indication of like, you know, there's always talk of like this is this is Vince's per- people. These are Vince's people and these are uh, Stephanie and Hunter's people. Um can you at this point say anything with regards to maybe that conversation, what this might mean for that? I mean, other than like, that's like, it's no secret. I mean, he spoke about it. Like he was not one of Hunter and Stephanie's guys. And he talked about the, the, you know, the clashes he had with Stephanie. And this was, you know, if he's coming in and he's reporting directly to Vince, I think that says everything there that he is, he is like, this sounds like this was very much of a Vince call. And how that's going to mesh. I mean, Bruce is not a dumb guy either. I mean, he's going to come in, he's going to work with who he, he needs to work with, and it's not going to uh, at all benefit him to uh, collide with, with Stephanie or, or Paul. And he, I, I think Bruce is very smart at working with the system that he finds himself in. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But, I mean, he's he's been pretty open about how he's, uh, about his last go-around with the company and, and how things ended there. And there's also, um, if you're a talent uh, and you're around Bruce, is knowing that 
this guy, if this doesn't work out, he's probably going right back to his podcast. How open do I want to be around this guy? I mean, I'm I'm certain that that's probably a, a thought process hmm. with some of these guys. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you, Way? I think that 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 changes things. Like, I, I know you know people that'll be more guarded around me and have to you know. It's just that's kind of just the role you, you fit in. If they look at you as someone that is going to be covering uh, what what goes on behind the scenes, and you know that could be yeah. something too in the back of people's mind. So I, I think it's a really interesting story to watch um, as this proves to be a very uh, pivotal time for the WWE as they're going into an enormous um, move over to Fox later this year. And with everything involving AEW, that Vince McMahon is going back to someone that had been with him for years and years and years. He had been with the company from 87 to 91. Then he left temporarily, came back in 92, and was pretty much there until 2008. And then he left there, went to TNA for a couple of years, and then launched the podcast in 2016 and has had enormous success at it with Conrad. And that's that's certainly, um, yeah, uh, for for listeners of their podcast, I'm certain that this, uh, th- if they are, in fact, dropping a show this Friday, I think they're going to have an enormous amount of an audience this Friday to listen for an update because Conrad's been relatively quiet about all of it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. What do you think of Dead Man Talking? So, yeah, so a trademark was filed for Dead Man Talking. And I know a lot of people are assuming this means a podcast. My first inclination was that it means, like, he's been doing, um, he's set to go over to the UK to do some, like, like one-man, like, speaking shows. Mm. And that's what I took this to be, like, doing, like, a speaking tour rather than a podcast. Likewise. I kind of felt the same way. Um, but you know, that's it. Everybody's getting into the podcast game and there's certainly a huge clamoring for somebody like the undertaker, um, to speak at length about any topic. I mean, shit, we watched him talk to, uh, what was the, the reverend's name? Uh, I don't even know. Oh, I forget. Ed, um, Ed, he was Ed Young, I think Ed Young. I, I, I was listening to the undertaker explain to Ed Young, the concept of like, I don't know, uh, chin, chin locks and stuff like that. And I was captivated. So if, if he wanted to get into podcasting, I'm sure he would automatically find a huge, huge, huge audience. But, um, yeah, dead man talking, I have to say great name, great name for a show. Uh, what else we have? The, uh, the departures of Arn Anderson, TJP, Hideo Itami and Ty Dillinger, um, all for different issues. Um, Arn Anderson was let go back on Thursday. Um, you know, it seems, you know, from from what I gather, uh, other things have been reported that there had been, you know, some some issues that have been, you know, building. And then there was some issue at a recent house show that led to this dismissal. And I haven't been able to get the details uh, of what exactly happened. Um, it's kind of just been vaguely described to me. Uh, but yeah, Arn was let go. Uh, we know so that something something happened at a house show that he he was blamed for. Pretty much, he took the heat for it, okay. and he was let go. Very popular amongst a lot of the talent, and and you could see that. I mean, they, this was someone that uh, a lot of people were tweeting about, and you know he's been there since WCW went out of business in two thousand one. So that's eighteen years. Uh, a very familiar face, someone that's very respected, and th- there was the the subtle tribute by Scott Dawson on tonight's show for him, and. 
I, I'm very curious where Arn Anderson lands. To me, uh, I saw somebody post this, and I thought it was a really interesting idea of like Arn Anderson becoming like like your authority figure, um, whether it's AEW, whether it's somewhere. Like Arn is just a phenomenal speaker, and he was never put in that role in WWE. They never wanted to put him on camera. There were yeah. so many times you always heard of you know put Arn as a manager, but that never. They just wanted him to be a road agent, and that's what he did. But he, to me, was he's just such a phenomenal promo. And I think that an AEW, an Impact, uh, if if Arn wants to do it, I mean, there are there are lots of roles for an Arn Anderson in 2019 in, in professional wrestling, in my opinion. Yeah, provided you know he doesn't have like some sort of no compete or something that would prevent him from you know working for AEW in in, in some time. Mm-hmm. I think like most expectations. Are, are that he would somehow end up there. Um, I think for the style of wrestling that AEW seems to be wanting to promote, more sports-like, essentially, I guess, like a New Japan Pro Wrestling for a, uh, a North American audience um, or more of an old-school feel, I think he would be a perfect choice to to work there in any capacity. Whether like a li- be, limited know. appearances as a commissioner, he would be outstanding. Well, he's just even working backstage or taking some some type of role in office. I'm sure he would have plenty to offer. But I mean, I I do wonder though how he would be on air, given the the fact that he hasn't been he hasn't had a, a an on air role in 18 years, and that's a long time. That's like a full grown teenager of him not being on on TV. Okay, and the last well, time he was, yeah, yeah, before tomorrow night, go on YouTube, everybody, and just type in. This is one of many you can type in. Arn Anderson. Fall Brawl 1995 and watch the promo before his match with Ric Flair. And you watch this, and I know it was uh, 24 years ago. You can you cannot hear a man do a promo like that and think that they lose that that skill. I think he'd be, uh, you know, he might be a bit slower. He might not be as sharp as he was in 1995, but I, I think he could still do a, a hell of a promo in hey, I, and carry I would love to see know, certain segments. I'd love to see it absolutely. Yeah, but um, I think the world. Of wrestling is huge out there for somebody like an Arn Anderson, and I want, I, I'm very curious to see if he ends up any in, in another place. Also, makes me quite surprised that you know the WWE would would uh, maybe let let somebody like him go. But then again, he's he's not an active wrestler. I suppose nobody's really tuning into any wrestling programming because oh my god, Arn Anderson is on this show. Not really to that extent. Um, but I am kind of curious to see what he does after this. Um. So then we had uh, Hideo Itami, who we knew he had requested his release, has been granted it. Ty Dillinger, who publicly um, noted that he had requested his release. But was what was interesting about that last week was that he did not state that he had been granted his release. So um, Friday they came out announcing that he had been let go. And then TJP, who um, I, I was told, like, he, he was a, it was a WWE decision to let TJP go. He was not. Uh, requesting his release and TJP has since come out and pretty much stated the same. So don't know the reason uh, for him being left, but you know, one person noted to me, like it is, it is not easy to get fired these days. Like they want to be holding on to everybody. So um, yeah, he's gone and yeah, Mm -hmm. we'll see where, where he ends up next. But yeah, um, you don't typically get though. Like it used to happen every now and then that you'd get like that Friday big list of releases, and they like they pretty much do not happen anymore. And especially uh, going forward, like I'd be very surprised if we see anything like it um, 
in the near future because they are trying very hard to to keep people like I, I've heard some of the like offers that they are giving to guys just to hold on to people like they are they do not want to be losing people right now. I mean that's that's pretty interesting, but I think like with this set of releases, it, it kind of tells to me like it kind of sends it's them maybe sending a message to people like their employees to say like if you really want to leave. I guess depending on your level, but if you really want to leave, you will. We will let you go because I feel like at some point they they probably realize that they're being kind of like held hostage by their own employees for, uh, you know, threatening to leave when. Um, Dude, I look how long like- they made it. They made Neville wait. They, they, he didn't want to be there. It's not like they just said, "Okay, I- cool, you can leave." They made him wait and wait and wait. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but but I think. With somebody like Ty Dillinger, they probably don't care as much. Obviously not. Or they felt the pressure to to let him go, which I would be surprised that they would just um, respond like that. And and Hitami, you know, everyone assumes he's just going back to Japan. I don't think that was a big issue with them um, letting Mm -hmm. him go. And TJP was just a decision that they made. So... Yeah, we kind of talked about it on on the hangout, but I think I I find it very interesting to see where uh you know those two TJP and, and Ty Dillinger end up. I could see a lot of companies wanting both men uh out there, but you know will AEW be one of them? I'm not entirely sure. You know we talked about on the hangout again whether or not AEW should be going after WW XWWE guys or if they should be focusing on brand new talent. I'm more of the mindset that they should focus on brand new talent, but. We also know that Cody and Ty Dillinger are, are very close friends, so like maybe he might he might find find himself there somehow. So Mike Johnson at PW Insider had an update on the ongoing uh, suit between Jeff Jarrett and Global Force Wrestling uh, with Anthem Sports and Entertainment, and the latest is that Jarrett and Global Force Wrestling uh, filed an amended lawsuit, and what they're trying to do is they are trying to file for the copyrights onto the GFW Amped series that was shot years ago, and there were uh, 16 hours of content. So apparently, and this had come out in in the prior suit that had been filed, that the master tapes had been handed over uh, to Anthem, and now Jarrett and Global Force are trying to copyright the GFW Amped um, intellectual property, and in order to do so, they need to have the master tapes, it sounds like. And Anthem came back in this suit and said, the 16 one-hour episodes of Global Force Wrestling Amped content sought in this question no longer exist. It was deleted in the normal course of business long prior to the onset of this litigation in order to free up storage space on Anthem Wrestling's systems. And Jared and GFW are claiming that each episode of GFW is valued at three hundred thousand dollars. So this would total uh, uh, four what? four point eight million dollars. Yes, and in the suit, you know, <laughs> uh, Impact or Anthem has stated that they put these out and they did not make they did not turn a profit. Um, so maybe quite okay. the valuation here, but nonetheless, there is still value to these, especially like this is just me thinking out loud. If Jarrett and Global Force Wrestling could, um have an estimate of say what a WWE would pay for 16 hours of content. If they were interested mm-hmm. in this, what is the value of that? And 
to me, like one of the most valuable things right now is, you know, content for any of these potential like streaming services that could come your way or a WWE network deal. The fact that these were deleted is just, it's mind boggling um, that, mm-hmm. that this happened. And it's ultimately going to come down to if Jared and Global Force can prove that this was ultimately copyright infringement, which Anthem is stating that it's not because, you know, they're saying basically you couldn't even prove that there was a that you didn't file the copyright. Um, So there's a court date that has been set for June of 2020. Uh, We will see if it makes it to actually getting into court um, as they do this back and forth. But yeah, essentially, like, and they were selling these DVDs up on the on the TNA website when this suit was first filed. So, like, I don't know if it is um, that no copies of these shows exist. Perhaps it's well, obviously the raw the DVDs footage. Are... Yeah, like, there's yeah, the shows exist. It's like the raw footage I'm imagining has been deleted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a real headache for all the people involved. Um, it always seems like you know Impact Anthem is somehow involved in 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 litigation. I thought this thing died out, but evidently not. Um, there's still people fighting over these GFW masters. Um, it's kind of I I don't you know I it's up to the courts, man. Like I don't I have no idea where where this is really going. And I don't know how much I care to be honest. <laughs> New Japan has announced the uh, the New Japan Cup this year. It's going to be a 32-man tournament. And um, have you had a chance to look at any of the brackets yet, Way? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, some of the, the newly announced um, uh, participants, Mikey Nichols, yeah. formerly of uh, The Mighty, on, uh, uh, of course, um, uh, Noah NXT. He moved back to Australia to be with his family and seems to now be, a, a, at least uh, for the New Japan Cup, a member of the, the New Japan roster. This also, guy in six months, mm-hmm. this may turn out like this guy made oh a great decision, potentially. He's he's going to be part of chaos and he's taking on uh, Hikuleo in the opening round. He's got to be going over in that match. Um, so, yeah. yeah, he may he may turn out to have a great spot rather than being, you know, he, him and Shane Thorne, they, they were, you know, it. Decent team, but they really had not found an identity together in NXT. And there there were attempts made. It's not as though they had no plans for them. Like they they tried some some skits with them. There were like injuries that they dealt with, but um yeah, now he's on his own and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see how he does in this tournament. You know, obviously Australia being a lot closer in proximity to Japan, he gets to still be close to his family and wrestle for a top, you know, top promotion in the wrestling world. So um, I hope he does well in that system. And I mean, I don't know if I'm Shane Thorne, I'm kind of looking at this and, you know, very curious uh, myself because I don't know how much Shane Thorne is going to be doing. Hey guys, I have NXT. family back home too. And <laughs> I miss them a bit. Oh man. But like Shane Thorne did um, post a photo recently of him with uh, Jonah Rock and, and uh, I believe one of the, the other former members of uh, TM, TMDK. Um, who are all a part of, I guess, uh, NXT right now. So they might be doing something. Uh, so some of the highlights, uh, you can get the all the brackets up on postwrestling.com. We have all the, the, the tournament starts March the 8th. Uh, that show features Ishii and Nagata, which was going to be part of that US tour, uh, is happening here. The second night features the return of Michael Elgin. He's taken on Kazuchika Okada. Um, the third show in uh, March the 10th, 
has Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito, which to me is the, the big match of the opening round. And same show has Evil Zack Sabre Jr., who always have great matches. And a match I'm really looking forward to is Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shota Umino, which obviously Tanahashi is winning that match. But if Umino gets like 16, 17 minutes with Tanahashi, mm-hmm. that's going to be awesome. Like yeah. Umino, to me... Uh, 16 minutes and losing to Tanahashi, that's going to be great for him. And I, I really like that match. It, you wouldn't see a singles match like that anywhere else but this New Japan Cup. Certainly feels like the show to watch of the uh, of the tournament, at least the first round, mm-hmm. uh, Sunday, March 10th. Do you know uh, anything about David Finley? No, he, he suffered um, a separated shoulder over the weekend, and he was hopeful that he was going to be okay. He's been announced for the first round. so That night? Yeah. Uh, for March the 11th uh, is when he's announced for that. I Wait, isn't he, he, isn't he going against Denzon? That's what that's what's listed in in your update on the 10th. Oh, sorry, I was looking at. Uh, sorry, I was looking at the wrong. Yeah, Tenzon on the 10th. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I'll try and get an update on that cool. as well. I don't think he was announced for the anniversary show, which is happening next week. So I don't know when his next uh, matches are scheduled, if there's anything before the New Japan Cup. But at least as of now, he's yeah, he's he's scheduled there for the 10th. Also in the tournament is Colt Cabana. And I believe that means he's going to miss the ROH pay-per-view and calling it with uh, Ian Riccoboni. And I'm unsure who is going to be joining uh, Ian Riccoboni because that pay-per-view is on March 15th and Cabana will be there for that tour. And it runs through March 24th. Winner will take on Jay White for the IWGP title at Madison Square Garden. So should be a very good tournament. There, you know, the return of Ibushi. You got Osprey in there. Um, yeah, there, especially once you get to like the final eight, there should be some dynamite matches in there. Do you have yeah. a prediction? Oh my God, with with the, with 32 people, it'll yes. be really difficult. But uh, Tai Chi? No, I don't think it'll be Tai Chi. Um, I think Abushi's winning this whole thing. I think I will go Abushi as well, especially now that he's a full timer. I, I would pick like a. I would say you know Abushi Okada would be your top two. Mm-hmm. Third might be Naito. I'm almost surprised they're doing Abushi Naito in the first round. Like that's a very big match to do in the opening round. I guess it's for that reason. You know they wanted to maybe sell that matchup. Um, I'm trying to think. You think you don't think Tanahashi could headline MSG with Jay White? Could he do that rematch? Um, he he could. Uh, I wouldn't put him as um as big a favorite as Ibushi or Okada. Mm-hmm. Um, I put him like third or fourth on the the likelihood factor. Mm. Yep. And you, you know choice. what? If Okada and Tanahashi come out of this without winning, um, you could do that match for without a title attached. Could you see like maybe a choice from out of nowhere like last year with with Zack Sabre Jr. or or things different because this is MSG? I think it's because it's Jay White and MSG that you need I think the challenger has to be a big name. Um right. I think the 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 risk they're taking is Jay White. So I mm-hmm. think that you want to put him with the big names out of the gate to establish this title reign and make it feel like a big match because already you're going from people that at the beginning of the year, were assuming Kenny Omega would be defending this title. Now you're getting Jay white. So I I would put like a heavy hitter attached to him, whether it be Okada or Ibushi. That makes sense. So we'll chat more about that on uh, post Peter Rasu later this week. So all of your news you can find up at postwrestling.com. Unless there's anything else you want to discuss. That's it, man. All right, well, let's get to some feedback quickly here. Scale of 1 to 10, what do you think everyone voted tonight? I thought this was actually one of the best Raws in a long, long time. You know, great crowd. 
A lot of great action, a lot of great announcements, obviously. So I'm going to say eight. I said eight as well. The forum disagreed. 6.66. Oh my God, 6.66. The devil sticks of <laughs> raw reviews. It's the Alistair Black of uh, raw reviews. Damn, okay. Yeah. 666. Well, Let's hear why. Jake, I decided to watch Raw in real time tonight, which I usually don't do. And all I have to say is that ending was a complete plot twist. What a strange but sublime way to introduce a storyline going into WrestleMania. Top to bottom was solid, and it's great to see a crowd with enthusiasm tonight and giving Roman huge respect. Yeah, I can tell Bruce Pritchard is definitely back behind the scenes. The only negative is that I'm not a fan of how the revival is being showcased right now, especially after winning the tag titles. Yeah, it does kind of perplex me about, you know, where they might be going with that. Um, like when, when DIY beat them, I thought, oh, okay, they must be building to maybe that match. Or, But now that everybody's beating them, it kind of makes it not that special to beat the revival. It's not so great for the revival. We go to Julio, who says, solid raw tonight. Leo Rush really put out an excellent performance and is making lemons out of lemonade, as Ronda would say. I... <laughs> <laughs> lemons out of lemonade did Rhonda say that oh well that's um <laughs> that's what making a bad situation out of a good one sure okay i envision lastly bitching leo to the point that fans start viewing him as a sympathetic figure yeah off topic weight divisions in the women's division is that a good or bad idea i see so many different size female athletes that i feel that is the natural progression i don't like it weight divisions I so you so, oh, you mean in wrestling? Okay, in wrestling. Yeah, I thought he meant MMA. MMA discussion. Yeah, just everyone gets free for all. No, I think he means in in wrestling. I don't even like at this point the the yeah. contrast of cruiserweights with you know your heavyweights. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it's like what you're gonna have a heavyweight women's division. Yeah, no, I I don't think that's necessary. No, I, I kind of like the size discrepancy in pro wrestling. That that can be a, a great story device. It works perfectly fine in NXT, you know, and, and so many other promotions. All right. Uh, Eric in Miami. If everyone thought we were getting a big Becky return for Rick's party, number one, the crowd is pissed we didn't get her. And two, Big Dave ruined the party and established himself as the heel. Good closing segment. Okay, there you go. MJ, when is the last time Raw was this packed? I'm honestly surprised they got everything in. Final segment started with 10 minutes left. I figure a lot will be said by you guys about Roman, so I'll just say it is nice when the fans do the right thing and welcome a feel-good moment like that. If Ronda's no, pro- nobody was booing Roman Reigns. Oh my God, night. no one Imagine. will be. No one will be booing Roman Reigns for a long, 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 long time. If Ronda's promo was going for a whiny child who can't get what she wants from mommy when she gets an A plus, it was almost so bad it worked given the story. But she came off silly. I like the video insert for Black. Sting was a great touch. Roman and, and Rollins walking away without acknowledging Dean. The road to WrestleMania has felt like your trip to All In, but I think we finally are on our way now. So he means a five-hour detour below yeah, they, Lake Ontario. They, just going back to Roman and Rollins, I mean, they definitely acknowledged Dean. Like there was the look at the end. They all like. That's what he met eyes. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he means like the moment when they left without like that the the, the idea that that it was even a thing. Right. Maybe. Andrew from Cape Breton. I definitely felt Raw has been better than in recent weeks. I don't like how they just beat their tag champions every week, but at least Black and Ricochet felt like bigger stars this week. Rush and Balor was also Balor's best match since his one with Jordan Devlin. 
course, the big stories were Roman Reigns and the ending angle with Ric Flair. I like the closing angle, including Batista dragging a cameraman to the door, which is weird in a world where people have private conversations in front of the camera. With Roman, I'm glad he's back and his cancer's in remission, but I can't help but feel a little dirty as it seemed that he implied he was blessed in particular, which kind of implies other people who die from leukemia aren't. I certainly didn't take it like that. I no. guess I say... I guess I say this as my cousin died in 2011 from it, and my aunt and uncle have never been the same. I see them a lot at family get-togethers, and maybe I'm just looking way too much into it. Mm. Um, I mean, if that's your reaction, that's your reaction. Um, I just took it to mean that, you know, there's people that don't survive this. He did, and he feels very blessed that he was, that he was lucky. Paul from New Jersey, I'm so tired of seeing the Revival getting buried week after week. I don't care if they're tag team champions, as that doesn't really mean much when they're constantly eating pins. Black and Ricochet could have jobbed out a lesser tag team, but I do understand that they want good workers in the ring with the new guys to get them over. I think once the Revival's contracts are up, we will see them feuding with the Young Bucks. On a more positive note, I really enjoyed Balor using psychology to trick Rush into a match. All too often, baby faces are made to look very stupid, but Finn was made to look very smart. What did you guys think of Rousey's promo with Stephanie? I realize it was very frantic and a bit messy, but I think it works for the situation. She sounded like somebody who was very pissed off after just being attacked. Uh, I felt, uh, That's how I took it. I liked it. Yeah, Ronda's promos are like a, a wild brawl that's not aesthetically pleasing and it's not smooth, but it makes you feel something. And mm-hmm. I think that that's ultimately what you want out of a promo, especially... In, in modern times in WWE where promos can often be emotionless and Rondas are not. And yeah, they're not always the smoothest in delivery, but there's a tone and an urgency behind them that you do get caught up in this woman believing what she's saying. And I'd rather take that than someone that has a smooth delivery and gets all her words out in perfect su- succession from what she's rehearsed all day. Absolutely. And I, I, I didn't mind the segment at all with Stephanie. Yeah. Jalen from Pickering, I'm glad John Cena shared his top guy, top secret healing powers of Roman. He looked genuinely happy and still looked better than most ever do. Due to unforeseen circumstances and luck, WWE now has a genuine top guy and girl, and we may actually get a decent buildup to WrestleMania. Hopefully we can avoid too much Shield stuff, especially against Dogs of War 2.0. All right. You remember that? Uh, Who were the Dogs of War? Wasn't it Strowman, McIntyre, and... Ziggler? Oh, that's right. And that was only a few months ago. That was like the summer. (laughs) God, they really have an obsession with dogs. Oh, man. It's the only animal he knows. Yeah. Be, you know, that should be, it should be, uh, Pitbull Live on Tuesday nights. The Battle of the Pitbulls. Yeah. They all fight in cages. Yeah. All right, we got a Jay from Colorado who says, I ended up watching live and it honestly wasn't a bad experience tonight. There was a lot going on and that made it fairly easy. The ending segment was confusing though. So Ric Flair was late to his own party. Batista goes into his dressing room and a few seconds later drags out an unconscious Ric Flair. The most rational explanation would be that Ric was already passed out. Um, <laughs> it would have been a bigger surprise and eliminated confusion if they cut out Batista going into the dressing room and just showed him dragging Ric Flair out of the dressing room. No, okay, so the idea was that he had already taken Ric Flair out. He had beaten him up prior, and then he just decided he went to, to get the cameraman. Yeah. To sh- show this. Yeah. So no one saw it. Yeah, that's how it I happens took it. all the time. Yeah, that's how you beat somebody up. And then you want to broadcast it to the world. 
Um, Alex from Maple, very average show that I actually watched almost all of. The Roman segment was great, both to start and the Shield tease. Some really bad matches. Angle, Jinder, Bailey, Nia, and some decent ones. The tag match and Balor and Rush. Ronda's segment was horrible. She's just terrible at delivering her lines and sounds like an idiot. So fake. And Becky going out in handcuffs isn't making this feud any hotter for me. Flair birthday was okay. Michaels looked drunk and they spoiled Sting earlier. No Charlotte was weird. Batista coming out was a surprise, as most expected Becky. Still, though, not excited about seeing these two old guys wrestle. Average. Should have been better. Becky in that segment. Hmm. I don't know if that would have worked at all. I think I, Becky coming out to interrupt Ric Flair's celebration would have made Becky a heel. I wouldn't have gone. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. And they had a bigger angle to shoot. That was not Becky's uh, segment. No. That was Batista's. All right, I guess, I guess it's my turn oh, this I week. I win. I'm the winner Fuck. this week. Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest El Santos. It's me. Been a minute. First time, long time. I may be alone, on, but this was one of my favorite Raws in a long time. And I personally love sushi. Great angles. Fun ending. And the return of the big dog made this a show to remember. Meanderings. To all the fake cancer people, go piss off, man. You disgust me. I, come on. Who who's out there? Are there people suggesting that this is a work? If you're paranoid or a conspiracy theorist, jeez, it's but, totally false. So, yeah. Batista with the blue nose ring and glasses—is that a sign he wants to be on SmackDown? I don't know. Hey, way do I finally? Yeah, you have my attention. Jopo, thoughts on this weekend's UFC? Awesome card. I think that this is uh, the best UFC card this year so far. Um, you know, I think that the... I'm kind of curious how well this this show does because the December show blew away my expectations. But you also had so much of that chaos at the end with the event getting moved that I think kind of got all this last-minute focus on this show and actually elevated things. So I, I think this show is going to do very well on top of it. I think John Jones has now kind of settled into becoming... Huge draw for the this company as well. And yeah, it's a very good card. The the prelims alone, these are just the free prelims. You have Jeremy Stevens, Zabit, Magomed Sharapov. Misha Serkinov is fighting Johnny Walker, who, wait, you have to watch this guy, Johnny Walker, and his last fight. I mean, this guy is just something else. Uh, Cody Stamen, Alejandro Perez, and Diego Sanchez is fighting Mickey Gall. Wow, cool. Yeah, so that's just a, yeah, very good card on Saturday is my high recommendation. Finally, he asked, did you guys like what the Preds and Blue Jackets did on Trade Center? I completely disagreed with their um, philosophy. Yeah, me too. Chris from Queensland, Australia. Without repeating everything, it's great to hear that Roman is both healthy and cleared to return. Uh, Has a question about TJP being released. Do not know the reason. Tyler from Orlando, finally. This was a better standard of Raw than the past few months, which isn't saying much, but I'll take it. I don't think the Revival should continue to lose right after they won the titles. I'm happy to see Big Dave back. We all knew he wouldn't come back as a babyface after last time. The Shield angle made it seem like a tag for Fastlane when, with Roman involved. Surely it's too soon for him, right? We shall uh, see. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. Um, Listen, we'll like, if he could just do like the Superman punches, I feel like he could pull off like a, a, a three-man, a six-man match. Yeah, it's it's a question. I mean, he was obviously okay to do what he did tonight. Um, it is different. You know, it's also like him doing a, a match, even 
in a six man or an eight man is he's got to do more than a hot tag. True. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's it, like Roman Reigns doing a 18 minute match where, you know, he's going to be the focus of the match. That is a lot more demanding than a run in. Yeah. Um, I, I wish they had more time to, to build something like that up. And, you know, if, if Dean is truly leaving right after WrestleMania, this is their only pay-per-view to, to do the proper reunion, unless you made drastic changes to WrestleMania, which I don't see them doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for the feedback. It's going to wrap up the show. Covered a lot, and we're going to be back on Tuesday night following SmackDown. We'll also have a new double shot coming your way. Way is off to the movies on Tuesday. If any of our listeners in Toronto want to join you, where will you be going? I think it's time to wrap the show up. Oh, okay. Way is going to be watching it solo. Uh, but if you do see him, he loves to say hi. So come by. Say hello to Way. Just stake out. No, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to anybody. Whoa. Except at our Q&A, of course. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> when you pay Way, you can talk. Postwrestling.com slash live. That's the only place where I will talk. There. That's what you can do. Oh All right. Um, you know what? My final thought is that had you gone to this show and you didn't get to see Ric Flair live, you also didn't get to see Batista live either. You had to watch him on the screen as well. Yeah, this is true. Yes. It's like you pretty much got an expensive television appearance by Ric Flair and Batista. But I mean, they got to see the Roman Reigns thing. I, 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 I have a feeling not too many people left home that dissatisfied with the no. experience. But I can yeah. see some, especially in Atlanta. Yeah. You know sure. what I mean? Like, imagine them doing that for, you know, I know he's not from Toronto. Drake. But no, I'm saying if they did a big thing for Bret Hart at the Air Canada Center. True. Like, yeah. I think that would bring a lot of people that would not maybe go to Raw for no reason. You know, Bret Hart's going to be there for a big celebration, and we're going to build it up for three weeks on TV, and then that's what they deliver. I can totally understand someone being upset that went there for the sole reason uh, of seeing a big thing with Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, all right, that's it. We've talked enough for tonight. We'll be back on Tuesday night. Good night. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.